Good morning, church. It's so good to be in the house with you this morning. We ask that you stand and worship with us. And we sing together. Come on. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing.
Good morning, church. You guys can have a seat. It is so great to be worshiping with you this morning. Uh, my name is Roman Rosal. I am the student ministries director here at the Mount Pleasant campus, and it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, this is my favorite time of year. I love being holly and jolly, and then celebrating Jesus' birth on top of it is just icing on the cake. So I just want to say welcome to those of you who are finally listening to Christmas music. I started October 1st, so welcome. <laughs> but I, I say all that because when you walked in, you probably saw uh, some Christmas Eve service cards on your seats. That's because we want to challenge you this morning and over the next three weeks to take these home and to pray about who God wants you to invite to come with you on that day. To open the door to show the hope that Christmas is and Jesus' birth and what it can mean to every single person. So go home, take these with you. Uh, pray about it. Let God speak to you on who he wants you to bring with you and invite to the Christmas Eve services in just three weeks. It's almost here. Happens. It goes fast every time. Uh, so take those home with you. Uh, to those who are joining us online, uh, first off, welcome. So glad you're here. Uh, but we're going to be doing communion later on in service, so this is a perfect time for you to go grab some of the elements, some bread and some juice, so you can partake with us when we get there. Uh, if next week... We have our annual congregation meeting. It uh, will be happening at the Mount Pleasant campus, but it will also be online. So you can join on site or you can join via Zoom. Uh, so that will be next Sunday after second service. There's information on the screen right now, and then there will be information throughout the week if you're interested in that. That, again, is next Sunday. I know we love hearing me talk, but I think we like hearing kids sing a little bit more than that. So I'm going to step away, and I think we have a treat for us this service. All right. Well, I'm not a group of children. Um, so we are going to um, just pray for a second while we wait for the kids to show up. So <laughs> all of us here in this room, online, wherever you're at, uh, let's just join in prayer. God, we love you. God, we are so thankful and grateful to be a part of this church and be a part of what you're doing in this area, in, in Alma and in St. John's. And so God, just all glory to you. All praise to you, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are. Because even more so than what you do for us, God, just at the base of it, God, you are so good. And that makes you worthy of, of all of our praise and our adoration. And so, God, thank you again for just who you are. Thank you for this opportunity for us to be here and to be able to worship you this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, here we go. Give, it a, give them a round of applause, church. Christmas joy 
but we want you to remember that the greatest gift God ever gave was Jesus. So enjoy this today. I wish I could offer you a room, but I just had to turn people away. Like that nice young couple from Nazareth, and she was just about to have a baby. But every room is packed full of people. I just had no room. do you like? At your birthday party, you might like to have a treasure hunt. But you don't have to hunt for this treasure, the treasure Jesus brought on Christmas Day. He brought joy, joy, joy to the world. See, had Jesus been born in the inn, very few people could have worshipped him. But look around the manger. There's room for you, your friends, your family, for everyone. There's a place for you.
Hey, church, let's stand up and give them another round of applause as they exit the stage. Great job. Great job. <laughs> so how amazing is it that we get to be led in worship by these kids? I mean, that's, there you go. That's it's something special to, to, to be just in that moment where from their perspective, they're, they're singing out to God, they're crying out to him, and they're telling us the story of Jesus. And that last song that they sang, it says, there's room for me and you. And that's, that's the very, uh, that's just solid truth. There's room for you, and there's room for me at the feet of Jesus. Because he loves us. And he's not, far off like some may think but our God is with us he's right here right here with us so church let's continue in worship and lift his name up
government is resting on your shoulders. We sing everlasting and everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. You guys can take a seat. In these next few moments, we get the opportunity to celebrate and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. So in the seat backs in front of you, there's a communion cup with bread and juice. I know we have some kids in here tonight, this morning. I'm used to Sunday nights, I apologize. Uh, so parents, have a quick conversation with your kid. Communion is for all those who've accepted Jesus as their savior and invited them into their heart. So that's something for your, your kid to do this morning. Praise God. But as I said, communion is an opportunity to celebrate. In the moment, the idea of the crucifixion, it seems like a sad moment. And it was for a couple days. But the crucifixion represents our restored relationship being reconnected by Jesus' sacrifice with our Heavenly Father. Jesus, his blood was shed, his body was broken, he was hung on a cross because of our sins. And because of that, we are restored in our relationship with God. And so I wanna challenge you to take the next 30 seconds, close your eyes, have a conversation with God. The greatest act of love that ever happened took place on that cross where Jesus' body was hung. So talk with God. Thank him for his love, his grace, and his mercy. Thank him for his son and for Jesus' sacrifice. Repent of your sins and ask God for forgiveness and prepare your heart to remember and celebrate that sacrifice Jesus made for us. So let's take a moment, pray, talk to God, let him prepare your heart and then we'll partake in communion together. On the night Jesus was arrested, he shared a meal with his disciples. They gathered around the table and after giving thanks, Jesus took some bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He continued with the cup. He said, this cup which is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. And as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you'll remember me until I come again. Let's drink. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your son and for his sacrifice. Thank you for giving us this new covenant and restoring our relationship with you. Thank you for continually pouring onto us your love, your grace and mercy, none of which we deserve. 
I praise you for your promise of coming again and lifting us and loving us and bringing us to where you want us to be. So God, I pray this morning that your spirit is felt in this room and we sing at the top of our lungs, worshiping you because you deserve every single breath of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, you can be seated. If I could describe Community Church with one word, I don't know if I can. It's where you can come from anywhere in your week, anywhere in your past, and you walk through those doors, they're there with you uh, with open arms. Community Church makes me feel welcome and like I'm part of the family. Ah, there's so much to love. A sense of home and serenity for me. Just very approachable. Just safe haven to the lost and the broken. Such a tangible example of the hands and feet of Jesus. The resources that it provides to the community. All the smiling faces and how welcoming everyone is. Community church feels like family. Good morning, church. This is a great, great day. In fact, we have been looking forward to this moment for such a long time. We are thrilled to be here. What an utter joy to be speaking to you from our brand new campus in St. John's, Michigan. I am standing in this fantastic building that was built in 1899. Who is to know that 123 years later, that this place would be filled with men and women and children who are experiencing and finding the love of Jesus Christ and his gift of grace and forgiveness. This is a great, great day. I want to give a huge thanks and a huge shout out to everybody in our church who has made this day possible, being here today 
um, just a few weeks ago, we launched something called Elevate. Now, if you don't know what Elevate is, Elevate is a nickname that we have given to a vision for ministry for the next two years in the life of the church. And what is happening today in St. John's, the launch of this campus represents, for sure, the very first thing, the very first, I think, critical piece of Elevate uh, that's going to be happening over the next two years. No matter where you're at today, whether you are at home watching this online, whether you are in Mount Pleasant or Alma, or whether you are in this building right here today in St. John's, I want to give just a huge thanks to you. Thank you for being a part of the, of the body of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being a part of Elevate. Thank you for praying. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving. Thank you for volunteering and for serving and for encouraging and for loving and pouring your life out for a vision, a vision for ministry into the lives of other people. All of this simply represents one thing. It is the expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Central Michigan, and that is a great, great thing. Very uniquely today, we have deliberately pre-recorded this message, uh, and there's a reason, and it is because I want to be in all of our campuses today. So today, I'm going to be preaching from St. John's, and from our Alma campus, and from our Mount Pleasant campus. And the reason why is because I want all of us to share this moment together. I want for us, as it were, to be in each other's living rooms, to be in each other's spaces of worship, and to get to share this experience together. St. John's, can I speak to you specifically today? I am so glad that you are here in this place today. And I want to say to you today that I love you. Now, perhaps you might think that a strange thing for me to say. Um, maybe that sounds a little cliche or disingenuous. You know, you don't even know me. How can you say that you love me? Uh, for me, I don't know that that matters at all. I think it is quite easy for me to say that I love you because I have been praying for you. I've been praying for your family, for your marriage, for your children, for your work, for the things in your life that are difficult and painful and challenging. I've been praying for you. You see, loving each other is central to the Christian faith. It is an absolutely normal thing for us to do. But I am not the only one who loves you. Last week in our services, we recorded a very short and sweet little message from our other campuses for you in St. John's. Check this out. One, two, three. Welcome home! We love you, St. John's! Welcome home! We love you, St. John's! I hope you got the message. We love you, St. John's, and we are praying for you. And whether you like it or not, we are a part of you because we are the church and we are together on purpose. We are the body of Christ. We are now one church in three separate locations. So whether you like it or not, you have some weird and wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who today are overjoyed and are simply celebrating you and what God is doing in Clinton County. In fact, we would go so far as to say this to you, St. John's. When you are blessed, we are blessed. When you are hurting, we are hurting. When you need prayer, 
we are on our knees because we are the family of God together. And you think about all the different things that set us apart. And there's so many things that cause us to say, well, I'm different and, uh, you know, I'm not like those people. Of course, there's tons of that. The way, uh, the places that we come from, um, the kind of work that we do, the money that we make, the color of your skin, whether you have a funny accent or not, all of those things make us different. But despite the things that mark us as different to each other, let me tell you what we have in common today. My father and your father is one in the same father. Amen? Church, give me a serious amen on that. My father and your father is one and the same father. That is what we have in common. That is our common bond. And I love this description. We are co-equal beggars at the foot of the cross. We are co-equal recipients of his grace. We are loved by Jesus Christ. That's what makes us family. That is our common bond. We're together on purpose. Would you pray with me for just a moment? God, we come before you today, and as one church, we want to pray specifically for the St. John's campus, for what you're doing in this place. And we ask for your blessing and your anointing over our brothers and our sisters and over the work of the ministry. God, thank you for Pastor Josh. Thank you for Liz. Thank you for the wonderful team who are serving in this place. And we ask and we pray for a spiritual mantle of unity and love and peace over every person, every life, every child, every marriage. We pray for Clinton County today. We pray that St. John's would be swept over by the Spirit of the living God so that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You see, this is the amazing thing about the church that we love. We love so much. The church does not exist just for those people who are already in it. And we love going to church, and you may, be, you may enjoy church. You may be very richly blessed by being in church and a part of church, but we are the only organization on the planet Earth that exists for those who are not yet a part of us. It's not all about us. One of the fascinating things about Jesus Christ is that he said that he was closer to God than anyone else ever. In John chapter 10, verse, verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. I don't know that anyone else has ever said that. I and the Father are one. He's closer to God, the Father, than anyone else. And then here's the fascinating thing. Despite the fact that he was closer to the Father than anyone else, people who were the furthest away from God flocked to Jesus the most. In other words, people who agreed with Jesus the least wanted to be around Jesus the most. People who were furthest away from his lifestyle wanted to be closest to Jesus' life. People who were the ungodliest people to ever live, wanted to be around the most godly person who has ever lived. It's so strange that when the church came along, when the church was born, the book of Acts, exactly the same thing happened. The writer of the book of Acts in the New Testament says of this fledgling little church in Jerusalem, this is what it says, Acts chapter 2 verse 47, that they were 
enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In other words, people who were kind of around the church, they looked at the church and they said, you know, this is different, this is new, there's this group of people, they worship God, it doesn't look like Judaism, I don't know what to make of this, I don't know if I necessarily believe what they believe, they say some things that are weird, they do some things that are just odd and and unique to me, but I am sure glad that those people are here. And over time, a dad, a mom, a child, they would begin to discover it's actually true. Jesus Christ is real. There's an invitation for me to become a friend of God. And they did. And the new church, man, they just lived for that, for that happening. People who are outside the family of God discovering the love of Jesus, man, they just loved it when that happened. In fact, they just gave everything for that to happen in other people's lives. This is week number one of a brand new series that's called Welcome Home. We're going to carry on this series until the end of this year, 2022. Today is the start of this four-week series, and what I want to do is I want to put a stake in the ground that unequivocally states what is core to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to sum this up in four simple statements. We're going to look at them one each week, but here are the four statements that we're going to look at in this series. These are four gospel statements. Number one, everybody's welcome. What a great statement. Number two, nobody's perfect. Number three, everybody is loved. And number four, anything is possible. Now, you might ask the question, you know, where are you getting that? Why would you say such a thing? Because that is the gospel. That is a summary of the gospel. And I'll tell you why. Because people matter to God. In fact, all people matter to God. To be more exact, as you're listening to me right now, you matter to God. That is core to the gospel. You may be sitting in church for the first time in years. You may be sitting in church for the first time in your life. I want to tell you today that you matter to God. Today I'm going to lean into the first of these statements. Everybody's welcome. So, Today, you may have walked into church, and maybe your life is not perfect. Maybe you are walking in here, and you have a broken marriage, or no job, or a lousy job. Maybe you have shallow friendships, and no real direction in your life. And the gospel message looks at that and says, oh, is that you? Shallow friendships, lousy job, things not working out well for you? Hmm. The gospel would say to you, you're welcome. You are welcome into the house of God, and you are welcome into the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today, and you're the kind of person who would say, look, I've got PTSD, I've got ADHD, I feel obsessive-compulsive, I feel depressed, and I'm a skeptic, and I'm confused. Honestly, I don't really like people. Sometimes I carry shame with me, and I hide, and the gospel looks at that and says, hmm, is, is that who you are? everybody's welcome. 
there is this extending of the loving arms of the Father towards you. If that describes you, the gospel says, yeah, and you're welcome too. If you're here today and you're saying, actually, I don't have my act together. I don't have much to offer. I don't really have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have a lot of hope. I don't think people, people even really like me, to which the gospel says, really, is that you? Yeah, you're welcome here too. How can you say such a thing? And here's why. It's so simple. Because that's what Jesus did time and time again. And I'm going to show you how he did that in the Word of God today. And secondly, here's how I know that to be true, because that's what Jesus has done for me personally. And I know so many people who would say, look, that's my story too. All my life, the only thing that I have ever been on the receiving end from, of, from Jesus Christ is this. It's unconditional acceptance. Despite knowing the worst things about Pastor Allen, it's always been unconditional acceptance from God. I think that's the way the church is supposed to be. Community church, that we would be that way also. Community church, I want to call you, I want to challenge you, every single person here, that you would authentically welcome every person that ever crosses your path. No matter their look, no matter their politics, their sexuality, their gender, their money, their attitudes, their jobs, the color of their skin, their work. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for you. He took one look at you in the middle of all that is your mess and your confusion and your excuses and your failed attempts at life. And with outstretched arms, he says, welcome home. This is what our God does. Let's pop over to the Alma campus right now. Community Church, welcome to our Alma campus. It's wonderful to be here. Everyone in the Alma campus, we love you and we are so proud of you. You are doing such a great job in Gratia County. So thrilled to have Pastor Aaron and his wife Katie here and all of the team and just an army of servants who are loving Jesus and pouring out their lives into the kingdom of God. And can't wait throughout the course of Elevate, soon around the corner for us to actually move from this facility to Wright Avenue. It is so exciting to see what the Lord is going to be doing there. Um, when I went to what I would call secondary school, um, what Americans call high school, um, there were three main sports in my school. Uh, there was rugby, and there was ground hockey, not ice hockey, and there was football. And for whatever reason, I don't even know how this came about, we had nicknames. If you were into one of those sports, you were called a rugby head, or you were a hockey head, or you were a soccer head. And I was a soccer head. I love to kick the ball around. But what I find fascinating about that is, isn't it amazing just how quickly and how young we put ourselves into groups, into cliques, into tribes, and what comes out of that immediately is a sense of us and them, or sometimes us versus them. That seems to happen so, so quickly. A study was done a number of years ago where they took a bunch of boys and they put them into two separate groups, but it's fascinating, they did so just by the flip of a coin. So half the boys went in this direction and half the uh, boys went in this direction, completely random. And very, very quickly what they discovered in the study is one of the groups of boys said that they were, and it was two factors, they were smarter and they had better personalities than the boys who were in the other group. Immediately, 
For, on what basis? It was the flip of a coin. Now, if you're sitting here listening and you are not uh, a boy and you're in this other category, you find yourself a girl, I know what you're probably already thinking, man, I can't believe that boys would do that. But you want to know what this study found out? It found out that not only do girls do that, but girls do that to a greater and harsher extent than boys do that. And I'm not just saying that to you because I'm a boy. This is things that we do in our lives. We carry around in ourselves categories and cliques and tribes and groups and us and them. It can be politics. And so quickly, particularly in our culture today, there's a sense of, well, I'm not in that group of political people. I'm on the right side and they're on the wrong side. And I couldn't believe that anyone would be that. It can be race. It can be age. It can be education, culture, sex, money, where you live. All of these variables that we look to to say, I'm going to put myself in an us and those other people are them. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I don't like that music. I'm not like them. I don't like Snapchat. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to do that. Those young people, they can do that. Or young people saying, well, I can't believe how you couldn't be into something like that. It doesn't make any sense. Well, this generation, they're not like my generation. We come out with these statements all of the time. Those people, they don't know the meaning of a hard day's work. I'm not like this. Well, I went to this particular school. All of these things, they come out of our mouth so, so quickly. And from all of that spews elitism, Sometimes it can be um, where I'm better than them or I don't like them or I hate those people. And very quickly, you're again into this territory of us versus them. But here's where it gets really crazy. Just, just odd. It doesn't make sense. You would think to yourself, surely if there's one place where that doesn't happen, it would be Christianity. But I'm sorry to say that's not the case. Even around religion, even around God, somehow we quickly resort to this us versus them. When it comes to God, who's in the in-group? Who's in the out-group? When it comes to God, who's with us? And who are those other people? Who is the them over there? Which people does God identify best with? Which kind of music does God like? Which kind of language does God speak? Does God have an American accent or does God <laughs> have an Irish accent? And of course, we all know the answer to that question. <laughs> the Word of God tells us that God made us in his image. But you know what we quickly do with that? We turn around and we say, no, we want to make God in our image. So the things that I like, they must be the things that God likes, to which can I simply say, church, no, no, no. People matter to God. Amen? What people? All people matter to God. And today what I want embedded into your heart is this simple gospel truth that everybody is welcome. Let me show you what this looked like in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Ortberg comments on this very well. He says, in that day, a rabbi and a tax collector are about as us versus them as you can possibly get. In that day in Israel, tax collectors were truly considered to be amoral social climbers. 
they got their position by making a bid to the Roman government for how much money they could squeeze out of a particular location or territory, how much taxes they could get out of a region. Then very typically, what they would do is they would cheat and they would bully and they would oppress their own people in order to enrich Caesar and Rome. You can imagine this did not go down well with anybody. And it wasn't just that they were enriching Caesar and Rome, they were also going to line their own pockets. They were going to enrich themselves. And to put it mildly, Israelites hated them. They just hated tax collectors. Tax collectors were no longer permitted to testify in court. So their word meant nothing. They had no respect for them. Israelites placed tax collectors in a list that had in it beasts and unclean things and objects that would make you unclean. Tax collectors fit into that list. A person devoted to God would not address a tax collector. They would not eat with them. They would not physically touch them. In fact, they would do everything they could to not even look at a tax collector. What we see in the New Testament in particular, you see this phrase that is repeated again and again, and it's this, sinners and tax collectors. Now you've got to ask yourself the question, why does the Bible do that? Why is it sinners and tax collectors? Why doesn't it just call them sinners? It's because tax collectors were so despised that even sinners didn't want to be included in a category with them. They didn't want to be lumped in with them. We do this. Well, you know, I've told a few lies, but they weren't really bad. I've done some things wrong, but like I'm not a murderer. Like I, I haven't, I'm, I've done this, but I haven't done that. We do this so quickly in our lives. And once again, we're back to us versus them. It's our own version of a spiritual hierarchy where we try to take solace in believing that we are superior to other people and other people are beneath us. Jesus is walking past a tax collector. Jesus, it's early in his ministry, he has begun to recruit and collect some disciples. At this point, he has Peter and he has James and he has John. They're fishermen. Nothing too fancy, nothing too special about that, pretty common. But they're thinking as they look at this tax collector is, well, at least I'm not like that guy. At least I'm not a tax collector. And shockingly, Jesus stops and he looks at this tax collector, Matthew. His disciples, you know what they're waiting for Jesus to say. Well, disciples, you see this tax collector, Matthew? You see this guy? You want to make sure that you steer way clear of a guy like this. This is why you need God in your life, to keep yourself clean from guys like this. Can you imagine how utterly shocked they were when Jesus looks Matthew in the eye, and this is what it says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 9. Follow me. What an invitation from a rabbi. Matthew, I see you. I care about you. I see your life as it is, and I want you on my team. I'm inviting you to come and be a part of me. 
and to come and be a part of something that we're going to do together. Matthew, I think we could shake things up. I think we could make a difference. I think we could change the world. Church, I want you to listen to your father today. I see you. Just as you are. I care about you. And I am inviting you to come and be a part of me. To come and shake things up. To come and change the world and to make a difference. With me, you're always welcome. Now, as if Jesus approaching Matthew and offering Matthew this invitation is not scandalous enough, they're thinking, Jesus, you don't even know what you've said or who you're talking to because wait until you hear what this guy says in response to your welcome, in response to your invitation. This guy is scum. He's going to tell Jesus to take a hike. He's going to cling to his traitor money and his traitor title and his his protection from Rome and Caesar. He's going to cling to his Roman loyalty and his big house and his big money. For sure, that's what this guy's going to do. Instead, This is what happens, the rest of verse 9. And Matthew got up and followed him. He gets up and he dumps his job. It's like something in Matthew is saying, man, I know I've got all the stuff, but this is what I've wanted all my life. This right here. This is what Matthew longed for. Please hear this church. Our invitation into the family of God is so incredibly important and it's on your lips. And this guy, Matthew, man, he was ripe. He was waiting for this. One invitation out of your mouth can utterly change a life. Someone who looks at the church and says, well, I'm not a part of that. An invitation to say, no, you're welcome. We're not doing the us versus them. We're doing the we, we're all together. That is the invitation that God calls every one of us towards. Let's head over to Mount Pleasant right now and I'll wrap up the sermon. Welcome to Mount Pleasant, everybody. Delighted to be here. Uh, Mount Pleasant campus, I love you. God is doing a great thing. Here's what I would say. God is good, amen? And God is doing a good thing at this campus and we praise God for that. So we're in this story of Matthew, and check this out. The story takes uh, just a strange turn. So we've seen this encounter where Matthew gets this loving invitation, where he gets this welcome from Jesus, and then here's what happens next. Matthew has this crazy idea. Matthew says, well, you see, I have a bunch of friends, and I I like these people. I've been spending time with them. We've been hanging out, Um, but they fall into the category of sinners and tax collectors. And so they really haven't been to synagogue in quite a long time, but I really think they're going to like Jesus. I I think, man, if if I could get my sinner and tax collector friends and Jesus and put them together, I mean, who knows what could happen? So I happen to have this really big house and I'm happy to pony up for some wine and pretzels. We'll have a little party. I've got plenty of money. Um, What if we do it? Do you think we could have a party? Uh, I'm going to invite my mates and we can invite Jesus and let's just see what happens. I think it could be great. Verse 10. 
while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. I just love this. I love that Jesus is doing this. I've had so many occasions in my own life where I'm talking to people and particularly strangers and they always ask the question, you know, what, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And when they find out what I do for a living, when they find out that I'm a pastor, their behavior immediately starts to change. And then maybe 10, 15 minutes later, they forget that I'm a pastor. And then lo and behold, this is what happens. This is the real world. Like they'll drop an F-bomb or something like that. And then they remember and they look at me and they say, oh, I, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, you know, uh, what, what, should I, what should I do? Or people often say around me, well, gosh, I better be on my best behavior. To which I say, yes, you should be on your... <laughs> no, I don't say that at all. I can just imagine these people. They're with Jesus, his disciples, sinners, tax collectors, and they are, they're, they're obviously eating and drinking and talking and they're laughing. I think they're having a great time. And I bet you this moment, this is just me conjecturing, but this moment comes where maybe somebody says the wrong thing and then they realize, oh, we're with Jesus the rabbi. But Jesus is unconditionally accepting them. He's loving them, just knowing them and sharing his life with them. And I can just see Peter and James and John and they're like, they're just trying to figure Jesus out. They still have, what is going on here? I think their jaws are on the table. What kind of rabbi would be with people like this? Well, I'll tell you what kind. It's the kind that believes that people matter to God. All people matter to God. Now check it out, because here's what happens in the story. Here's where the us versus them kicks in. There's a knock on the door. Verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, saw what? Saw the party. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's this phrase again. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Notice the Pharisees don't go to Jesus. They don't ask him the question, but Jesus hears them and Jesus inserts himself into the conversation. I'm not here to do the us versus them thing. I'm not doing it. I'm here to represent my father and he loves everybody. In fact, with him, everybody's welcome. His heart for people who are disconnected from him is simply huge. With God, everybody is us. And if you're outside and removed and without or sick or impoverished, those are the people that I want to target with my mercy. Church, let me tell you what we can never, ever become. When a bunch of Pharisees get together, who are they going to invite? They're just going to invite a bunch of Pharisees, people who are exactly like them. They never invite anybody different into their company. They never want anybody else at all. And here's the thing. They think God is happy about that. They think that if they exclude 
sinners and tax collectors. Somehow that actually makes them more holy or more righteous or brings them closer to God. And it's the opposite. What actually happens is when we uninvite people, when we exclude people, it it obscures their ability to see a God who loves them and invites them and and welcomes them. And those people who are in need of God, who need his mercy, when Pharisees have an exclusive party that those people are not invited to, it actually just drives them away from God. And we will never, ever be that kind of church. Amen? We will never be that kind of church. Orberg comments on this one last time. Listen to me carefully, please, church. We are the body of Christ on earth. Who's welcome here? Who's welcome at Community Church? Mount Pleasant, Alma, St. John's, online. Who's welcome? Well, believers and unbelievers and skeptics and mockers and Republicans and Democrats and young people and old people and people who like to wear suits and people who like to wear jeans, people with wrinkled skin, (laughs) people with tattooed skin, people with tattooed wrinkled skin, (laughs) people with every color skin, people of every language, Irish people, some British people, (laughs) respectable people, shady people, addicted people, messed up people, Gay people, straight people, divorced people, married people, wounded people, tired people. Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and Jewish people and humanists and atheists and the I don't know who I am people. Every one of them are welcome to Matthew's party where everybody's welcome. Church, I'm going to leave you with three things if I could. Number one particularly on this day, would you do me a kindness? Whether you've been coming to this church for 40 years or whether it's your first time here, if you look in front of you in the seat, you're going to find a little card that says a connect card. And I'm going to actually ask everybody in our church, particularly on this day with a brand new campus, in every campus, would you do me a kindness and would you just go ahead and grab that right now and would you fill it out? Thank you for doing that. That just helps us keep connected to you and helps us to be able to pray for you. I'm going to put a QR code up as well. And if this is handier for you, you can just get a hold of that with your phone and you can fill out a Connect card uh, if that's a little easier for you. Please go ahead and do that now. The second thing is we want to pray for you. If there's anybody in any of our campuses and you would love some prayer, you'll see there's a little card, again, in the seat in front of you, uh, or your host will put it online for everybody uh, uh, watching online. Um, And if we can pray for you, you want to fill that out, we would love to do that. If you are hurting, if you're having a hard time, or maybe it's not even you. Maybe there's someone that you know or you're aware of, someone that you love and care for, and maybe we could pray for them. Would you fill that out on their behalf? We have a faithful team of people who would love to be praying for them. And then lastly, we have Christmas, Christmas invitations. And we want to make those available to everybody. And would you leverage those for the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Christmas invitations are not for you. They are for you to give to somebody else. And for some reason that I don't quite understand, people are willing to come to church at Easter and Christmas when they would not come to church at any other time of the year. 
And I wonder if there's an opportunity for you to reach out and to make somebody else feel welcome. Would you take those invitations and would you use them and leverage them uh, for the gospel? So take a moment and fill those out right now. Um, your campus pastor will come out and show you how we're going to collect those in the particular campuses um, and we'll uh, uh, put those together. Church, praise God. Can I ask all of us, can we stand up together? And right now I want to ask us, let's take the roof off. Let's worship the God who welcomes everyone.